called Not Alone. And it's going to be our less traditional families. We're going to be talking about singles, what God has to do, say about singles and singleness. We'll do that today. Uh, single parents. What is God's word and, and have to say about this? As a church, how are we supposed to support our, our single parents? And for single parents, what does the word of God have to say for that? We'll be talking about blended families. And uh, for a lot of families, this is uh, what does God have to say about this? And where is the hope and, and the encouragement of God there? And, how, and then finally, uh, we'll be talking about uh, empty nesters. And uh, those last two, because I am less qualified to preach on those, uh, we have some amazing people from the church I'll be talking about. So I encourage you to, to be part of this. But uh, looking in God's word and saying, what does he have for us that, that in, in our less traditional families? Because we are, as a church, a family. And so today we're going to be talking about singles. And if we get there, we realize that singles, um, there are a lot of singles in the United States right now. I did some research in, in advance for this, and now, now my research now is like, what, six months old, but it, I think it still will hold, uh, that four in ten uh, uh, U.S. adults that are adults uh, are single. That's a lot. And uh, America right now has 82 million single adults within it, 82 million and four out of five of those classify themselves as Christian. So there's a lot of single adults in the church, a whole lot. And this morning we're going to look at what does the Bible have to say to singles. And so the memory verse today is one that you probably won't get to memorize very often, but this is a powerful passage from 1 Corinthians 7.32. The Apostle Paul says, I would like uh, you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. I think oftentimes, at the church, we really focus in on something that's really amazing. Marriage. Marriage is an amazing thing. And the traditional family that God has given us is such a gift and a blessing. And it's a foundation for so many things. But the scripture doesn't just speak to that. And for those who find themselves outside of this, I want you to know that you are not outside of God's will or his plan. That the word of God actually doesn't even say there's anything broken with you. And there are actually some blessings and some power and singleness. And we'll be talking about that today. Now, singles. Right, where you're, you 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 get out of school or whatever, and then you're and that's. But I'll tell you what, singleness can have. There's a lot of different forms of it. It is for the young singles. That's part of it, yes. But do you know that widows and widowers are also single. And do you know that it's really different being in your early twenties and being single versus maybe somebody's in their thirties or forties or fifties. And it's divorcees are oftentimes single too. A singleness is, is huge. And I'll tell you this, that, that even though it's very vast and there's a lot of difference in it, there's a lot of things that are the same. And we're going to talk about this today. Do you know that Paul, the apostle, was single? He was. He understood that a man of God, who God used powerfully, was single. And so he speaks about singleness, I think with a, a level of authority. And it's important for us to go to his word, at the God's word, and say, what is this apostle, through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what does he have to say about this, this phase of life or this, this, this calling that some have of being single? So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is where he speaks of this. And I'm going to start reading in, uh, well, verse 7. And, and actually, you know, if you want to read the whole thing, he's really talking about families and how the church is supposed to work. But in verse 7, he says, I wish that all of you were as I am. He is single. <laughs> he said, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, and the other one has that. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. You don't get that message very often, do you? 
I think oftentimes singles in our culture get this message. You're single, so you're broken. You're singles and you're missing out on what God's best is for you. And I want to say that the word of God does not say that. (laughs) And even the apostle who lived this, who was able to speak from experience and says, listen, as a single man, (laughs) he said, I wish that everybody had the freedom that I have. (laughs) And that this is not a broken space, that you are not just in the giant waiting room of life waiting for God to, to give you something. That there is something powerful now, even for those who are singles. Singleness can be a gift. It can also be a calling. It can be good. It's not a curse. But just as any gift or anything in this world, there's responsibility. Sometimes it is a calling and there's difficulty. It can be a burden. And in this passage, we see Paul talk about some of the burdens that are there. Loneliness, burning with passion, (laughs) all kinds of other things that, that those who are married, we struggle with different things. Find some godly guidance for those who are single. He says, now about virgins. These are going to be those that have not been married. He says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one uh, by the Lord's mercy who has been trustworthy. I think it's important we read in this passage that these aren't commands of God for single people. This is wisdom from God for us. Right? And so it's wise counsel. It's good for, for not just singles to read this, but I think all of us in the church to say, what is good, wise counsel, biblical counsel for those who are single? Now he goes in verse 26, he says, here's, here's wise counsel. He says, because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. That is single. What is the present crisis? Well, there was something called persecution. And we're praying about it today. There's a cost to being a Christian. And being married makes you more vulnerable. When difficult times come, those who are married, if if you really want to hurt me, you hurt my wife. And he's saying, looking at the nature of the world and what's happening now, he says, for those of you who are single, you might want to consider staying that way. You are mitigating your vulnerabilities. There's a blessing to it. The present crisis was tribulation and persecution. And guess what? It did not end in the first century, did it? That's why we're still praying about it today. Now, he goes on to say uh, in, uh, in this, he says, uh, Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. Right? There's nothing wrong with being married. But it's not that there's only, that's the only good thing that there is. That, that we have a choice, an opportunity, that God's will can actually be in your life, whether or not you are married or single. Can you imagine? The God's point and purpose for you, that you have a place in God's family and his kingdom. And, it, and he's not looking and saying, I'm only going to use these, these families. Those who are married is one of the people I'm going to use. It's not what it says. Is that there's a practical opportunity, and we have to be wise in the world to say, is it the right time and the right person for being married? (laughs) And if it is not, it is okay to be single. It truly is. Now, three reasons that we have to be be single or stay single that Paul gives us, which I think is interesting because he says that this actually could be a good thing. One, the tribulation is coming, right? This world has difficulties, and it's not just that there's persecution. This world has other bad things like this. It has economic issues, problems. It has all kinds of uh, natural disasters, 
that we have. Those world married can help us through those problems. Being single also gives you better flexibility and ability to move and maneuver around those problems. I'll tell you, as a man, if I lose my job or right now, it would be a devastating to my family, wouldn't it? If I was a single man and I lost my job, it would be a lot easier to weather that, right? Less burden. There is troubles in this world that sometimes being single helps us navigate around. And I think that Paul says, let's take a look at that before you end up getting married or getting into a relationship, thinking that's going to be the end-all solve of all things. There is actually a blessing to singleness. Also, in verse 29, he talks about this world is temporary. He says, uh, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should, should live, uh, for those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn, as if they do not. And those who are happy, as if they were not. And those who buy something, as if it was not theirs to keep. What he's saying is this world is, is short. He's not saying, hey, uh, husbands, if you have wives, don't you know, just pretend that you're single. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the reality is that this world is a vapor. And sometimes we can become too entangled with the very physical things of this world. And a single person has an easier ability to keep that separate. To realize that this world is not all there is, that the fulfillment of life is not about here and now. It, it helps them recognize that, that Jesus is coming back, right? And that this world, even for us, right? The longest, if you live a full life, what, 70, 80, 90 years? That's as long as you will ever be separated from the Lord. This is as close to hell as you will ever get. Isn't that amazing as believers? But this world is temporary. And because of that, the things of this world are temporary, and marriage is one of those things. That's why when you people get married, when I officiate it, I say, till death do you part. Because you're not married forever in heaven. This is a temporary thing. And so he starts to say, listen, let's set our eternal hopes on eternal things. And so that's the second reason. So the first one, tribulation is coming. The second, this world is temporary. Marriage is not going to solve the eternal things. We want to focus on the biggest things first. And the third one, he says, singles are more free to live for the eternal. That was the memory verse that we just did. We did the guy's version. There's also a guy one that says, and a woman who is not married is free to think about the Lord's concerns and not just about her husband. Isn't that awesome? That being single frees you from the obligations of a temporary bond. And so you could be focused on the bigger things. But there's a very big uh, observation as well to those three reasons. And that's in verse 37. And it says that mingle. But not everyone who's single wants to be single. That's one of the reasons that God gave us marriage, right? Verse 37 says, But a man who has settled the matter in his own heart and mind is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will and has made up his mind not to marry the virgin. This man does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does what is right, and he who does not marry does what is better. It's okay to be married. There are some people who just want to have a relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a very good thing, and God does a lot of great things through our families. But I should say to this to the singles, don't think that that's only good things happen in the family. Did you get that last verse there that you don't hear preach very often? It says, so then he who marries the virgin does uh, what is right, but he who does not marry does what is better. <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? The scripture says that, that this can be an amazing, powerful calling. When is it better? Well, when it's selfless, when you're focusing on the eternal, when you're doing bigger things. So six truths about singleness I found in Scripture, but also years of being a youth pastor and a pastor in this. The first one is that singleness can be a very lonely time. 
even though it's a great calling, even though there's a lot of blessings in it, to recognize that a lot of singles are lonely. Don't we find that in the very first uh, part of, of Genesis? This is not good for a man to be alone. To understand that those who are single in our church, they don't have that companion next to them. Naturally, there's going to be a greater opportunity for loneliness to creep into their lives. That is one of the things that the church can do to help. Other thing is to say that singleness provides uh, great gospel opportunities. I think about the singles in our church. A lot of the things that happen in our church happen because we have singles that have more time and more opportunity that they're able to devote to making key ministries happen. Uh, Being single provides you fewer entanglements with your own family, and so you have more opportunity to be invested in the church family. And so a lot of things that happen in the church happen because of single adults investing their time in the eternal things. It provides greater opportunities for the gospel. I also know this, that single guys and gals both struggle with sexual temptation. It says it right here in this passage. That's a reality. And it doesn't mean that they're broken or bad. It means that they're human. And this is one of the things, if you're going to be single, it, it has some challenges, and this is one of them. And conquering that sexual temptation is difficult, and I think that the church needs to be sensitive to that and supportive. I think something else is that being single in your 20s is way different than being single later in life. In their 20s, which is great if you're a young person in your 20s. What about those that are 30 or 40? It's different. You know that God has a place for everybody. And to realize that we can't just say, oh, well, they're single, and we just put them all into one big bucket. They're humans. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. I also say this, that many singles, in my experience, can make having a relationship an idol. Just like everybody who's married can find something else that they really want deeply and make that an idol. And so that can be something that they fixate on because it's the one thing they feel like they don't have. And the church can be able to help with that. And I think something else we recognize is that not every desire gets fulfilled. And that's not just for singles, it's all of us. Whatever those unfulfilled desires are in our life, we can make those idols, can't we? We can make that the one thing that we're living for, thinking that if I just have this one thing, then I will finally be fulfilled. And guess what? When our life rotates, revolves around anything, that's what we're worshiping. And if we're worshiping anything other than the Lord, that it leads to our own destruction, doesn't it? It never satisfies. And so it's important for us as a church and for those who are single to recognize these are just things that are part of it, of being single. So how, what, is, what are some counsel that we find from Scripture that can help us for, for our singles? Well, I think the first thing, and the first one is going to be kind of spiritual, and I get that, but we have to start there. It's a part of our life that this gives us an anchoring. This is something that you're not going to get out in the rest of the world. The first thing that we find is true not just for singles, but for all of us, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Our life has got to start revolving around something more than just me or my desires. That's where everything kind of falls apart, is when I make it about the wrong things. My life becomes about the wrong things, and then it spins out of control. The very first thing that I would say, and I would counsel all of those that are single, including and all of those who are married, is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the eternal one, and he loves you. Did you know that Christ is, is with you? 
We sang songs today. You are not alone. The lie of the world and lie of Satan is that you are alone, but we have God himself in us with us. And God is at work in you. He's not just lying there dormant. He is a very real God, a very real spirit. And there is never a time or a place that, that you can't talk to him, that you can't say, that, is, that person hurt my feelings. Can you believe that he said that? You can talk to God. And he's working in you. And he's sustaining you. But God is close. And so the first thing is to develop that one relationship that will outlast them all. The second thing is to beware of idolatry. And idolatry is putting anything in the place that <laughs> in the center of our life. Whatever we worship, whatever our life revolves around. And I would say this to recognize that for all people, the thing that we feel like is missing in our life, we are susceptible to making an idol. And for those who are lonely, relationship can become an idol. And we put too much emphasis and, 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 and onto it. And what happens is, is that we make those relationships by our, our worship of the relationship. We can make those very things toxic even before they start. We're asking about from a relationship more than any relationship could give us. We're putting a relationship in a place that only Christ could be. See, marriage is not a, uh, a savior or a panacea. When I do marriage counseling, for folks, pre-marriage counseling, I always tell them that marriage can be a little slice of heaven, right? Or it could be a huge pie in the face of hell, right? Because I do post-marriage counseling too. Marriage takes work. It is wonderful and awful, and awful both. Isn't that true? And to recognize this, that if we think that marriage or having a relationship is that is the, the cure for my problems, you're just asking for different problems. Marriage is a great thing. It truly is. It's a gift of God. But it's also work and it's responsibility. And I would say this, let's keep marriage for what it is. It's a good thing in the right place in the right time like this scripture tells us. Be wise. Look at your situation. Look at all that kind of stuff. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, fine. Be married. That's great. But if it's not, don't feel obligated because of society or because you're trying to run away from loneliness. Everything thing I think is that we need to guard our hearts. This is something, I, again, for all of us, but I think for especially if I'm speaking to the singles, this is so helpful. The Bible tells us to guard our heart above everything else, right? That we want to make sure that we protect our hearts. So we want to resist the temptation to give away your heart too quickly. I mean, it... We have this idea, right, of we're, we, we live in a wonderful capitalistic society, and I love that because of opportunity, and I made a lot of money as a kid selling lemonade. But the thing is that supply and demand is not, just, is, is not an effect for our hearts. Other people are, are buying for it. Your heart is valuable intrinsically, so don't just give it away. Even if there's no takers right now, you guard it because it is valuable. You are valuable. So don't sell yourself cheaply. Don't say, well, I'm going to put up with, or I'm going to lower my standard. I'm going to give my heart to an abusive person or a person that's not, going to that's not going to truly complete me just so I can escape this loneliness. Guarding our hearts is important. Also, we have to make sure that we don't hold our hearts hostage to God. To say, God, I am upset with you because I am lonely. 
And I see in the word, your word that says the place that I can find companionship is in marriage. And I've been asking you for a companionship and I'm not getting it. And I'm upset with you that you're not giving me what I want right now. And I will love you, God, more when you finally give me the relationship that I want. See, God does not negotiate with terrorists. To say this, love God in your situation. Bring to him your longings. He knows them. But guard your heart. Make sure that you are not even allowing you to terrorize it. God knows you. He loves you. Our God is not holding out on you. Although there may be times in everybody's life that we feel that he is for those who are single and those who are not. I say this, take the time, then your energy, and train yourself. Passage even talks about that's one of the benefits of being single. Take advantage of the time. You might not be single for the rest of your life. And when you're not, there will be some benefits, but you'll also look back on that time. You'll say, man, I had a lot more freedom. Use that freedom. Use that time. Train yourself for godliness. Don't waste it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else that you, that you need, everybody else, if you need a relationship, God will provide it. But you seek him first. Because I'll tell you this, if you start seeking what you think you need instead of the kingdom of God, whether it's money, whether it's or relationship, we end up getting the wrong things. And the things that we sought after end up being the very things that make us prisoners. Right? They make us miserable. Seek first the kingdom of God. I've known so many singles that have sought first a relationship with a person. And they get into a relationship and their hearts get broken. Or they feel trapped and they say, why did I do this? They go after those that God and his wisdom and his counsel that they see from his word. And other Christians always look around and they say, boy, don't get into that relationship. That's bad news. And they're like, but I'm lonely and I want this so badly. Then I get there and then God will make it face the consequences of bad decisions, won't he? Seek his kingdom. Train yourself for godliness in this time. And it's one of those things in life for all of us when we have things that we, we want but don't, we don't get. It's an opportunity for us to sacrifice ourselves. Say, it's not about my desires, God. I'm going to seek your kingdom first, and, and I, you know what I want. But I'm giving that to you. In your time, you can provide it. And if you don't, then I still love you. And you're still worth it. I say, then take that time. Serve the kingdom. Like I said, so many things happen in our church because we have committed singles that use that extra time to care for the members of this church. They take that time so they don't have to go home and be alone, or they, don't, they take that time so they, yeah, that they have because they don't have to go to you know, taxi their kids all over God's green earth to every single thing. They take that extra time and they invest it in serving you. And we're all blessed, and the church grows because of it. The singles are a powerhouse for the kingdom. So don't waste it. Use your time. Now I say this, then reject the negative narrative. The negative narrative is all this, that, that, uh, that, that my life is bad because I don't have what I want, and therefore God doesn't love me, right? It's, this is all negative. It's not the way that it is. This world's broken, and yes, we don't get our full fulfillment in this world. That's why we hope for heaven, right? This world isn't that way. But I'll tell you this, there's something true that God built us. We find what we're looking for. Have you ever noticed that? If you are looking for your keys, you are trained, your brain will actually begin to look for keys and you will see keys. If you are going to buy like a yellow truck, 
You want a yellow truck, you'll see yellow trucks everywhere, right? They're all, we've been there, but we see what we're looking for. If you want to see misery in your life, just start looking for it and you will find misery in your life. You want to see loneliness in your life, you start looking, you'll find loneliness. You want to see areas where you are, or just want to find that there is, that you are not happy, you're going to find those things. But if you want to see God's blessing, start looking for God's blessing in your life. You want to see relationships? Start looking for the relationships. You'll be surprised at what's already there. You have to reject the negative narrative. You can't continue to allow yourself to meditate on negative bad things, saying God is holding out on me, that I'm not getting what I want, that I'm so lonely. This is not helpful, because that's all you will see. Instead, we have to recognize that grumbling leads to bitterness, but gratitude and contentment come from looking for God for the ways that God is already being a blessing in your life, the way that he is working, you're going to find them. And you're going to find a greater level of gratitude and contentment in your life, which will make your experience in this time so much better. I think this one too. Make a list for you, not for your mate. I've had so many people that they come in and, and they say, I'm single, I'm not happy. I'm like, oh, well, that's, let's talk about this. And what does God have to support you in it? And they say, and they're like, well, this is what I want, right? I'm holding out. This is the kind of mate that I want. And they've got this list that no human other than Jesus would fulfill, right? They're like, I want that. Here's the thing. You can't change that person that's out there that doesn't even know who they are yet, but you can change this person, right? Don't look for the perfect spouse. Make yourself the perfect spouse, Spend the time that you have now to wipe off those nasty spaces in your life so that way you can be presentable. Here's the thing. We tend to attract people that are kind of like us, don't we? If you want to attract a higher quality spouse, make yourself a higher quality person. Make yourself a list. Say, what is the kind of person that that kind of spouse would want to be married to? Make it your work to improve your character, to change who you are. I think it's important. And that this is a great, also for you guys that are married, stop looking at your spouse and saying, this is who you should be. Looking at yourself and say, who should I be? That's some great marriage advice, and you got that for free. Okay. Also, <laughs> we understand that uh, you're not waiting on accident. Right? So I think we need to relax this hyper-spiritual anxiety. This is so true, especially for young 20-somethings, especially in Bible college, uh, but probably everywhere, but this was my experience, is that young Christian singles sometimes have this, this bad doctrine that think that God has the perfect person out for me somewhere. They might be in Zambia or something else, but they have the perfect person that he created specifically for me, and I've got to find that person amongst all the billions of other humans... I've got to find that one because if I get entangled with somebody else that I'm just, I messed up God's plans and I got the wrong person, right? And we create all this spiritual anxiety. They'll meet somebody. The person seems awfully, it's like really good. They love the Lord. They love their church, right? The, all their friends or family are like, hey, that's, that's a decent person. They're all still fretting. They're like, well, I don't know. Is it God's person for me? I don't know. And they ruin it. Here's the deal. God's given us some guidance. No, it says here's wise counsel. Right? You, you get a say in this. You get to look at it. If you see a person, if you're a single, and the person is there, and they love the Lord, right? They, they meet that, 
They're engaged in their church family. They're healthy, right? Your friends, your family, your other church people, they're, they're like, hey, that's a good person. That's okay. Then it's okay. Go date them. It's all right. You're not going to mess up God's plans. Right? So you could take the whole hyper-spiritual, like, am I messing up God? You could just take that down a notch and trust God to be God. Right? If he was sovereign enough to make some person Zambia the perfect person to marry, don't think he's smart enough to bring them over so that way you somehow get married? Like, God is like the master of the romantic comedy. He can make it happen. So trust him. And you just be wise. I get this too, then it's that part that we've got to trust God. And that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? Whether being single or, or married. There's trust in God in this. Some people are married in horrible marriages and they have to trust God every single day. And some people are single and they're very, very lonely and you just have to trust God. (laughs) And some of us are comfortable and happy. And guess what? We still need to trust God. It's kind of the point of faith, isn't it? That God is at work. Do we believe that God is good? Not because he does what we say is good, but God is good because simply who he is. And because of who he is, everything he does is good. Why do I make that distinction? Because if God is truly good, then it's impossible for him to do anything but that which is good. That is great theology, but in our life, do we believe it? Because in your life today, you might be saying, I don't have my my desires met. And that doesn't feel good. But I will tell you this, if you are in Christ and you love him, you are seeking his kingdom, rest in God's goodness. Your time of separation is not because God is torturing you. It's not because God is holding out on you. That is not a good thing. God loves you. He loves you deeply. He knows your desires. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life that is better than your plan for your life. He has a future for you that is far superior than any future that you could have gotten on your own. So trust him. Sometimes it causes us to lay down and sacrifice our desires, doesn't it? And say, God, this is what I think I want, and I don't have it now, but I'm going to trust you. And if you ever let me have that, then that would be awesome. But even if you don't, you are still good. And your ways are still better. I can trust him. And so we must resist the temptation to take shortcuts to what your word says, but I'm going to do it anyway. And how many times for singles is this the temptation to shortcut the path? To say, I'm not... I don't have to be pure, right, because I might lose this relationship. Or I don't have to hold the standards that Scripture says in there because I'm not sure that God's really going to give me you know, the person that actually fits your standards, God, so I'm going to just shortcut it. I'm going to do what feels like I need to do and so I can take care of me. Trust God. He cares for you. He didn't just care for you to give you a new soul, a new life. He loves you. Trust Him. And so pray and practice faithfulness. This is, that is the Christian life. And you get to do that in your relationship, and what a great foundation for any relationship that you have from that point on, isn't it? Now, not just for the singles, but how about for the church? Do you know that we have a lot of single people in our church? And that's wonderful. What do we do as a church that can help? I've talked to quite a few singles in making this message, and this is what I've heard. The first one that I got was this. Listen. Right? I think one of the things is oftentimes singles feel like uh, they're broken because those who are married make them feel like there's something wrong with them. And so we try to fix a problem that they don't even have. 
I think sometimes we just need to listen. I think singleness is not brokenness. That's what the scripture that we had just memorized talked about. There is nothing sinful about being single. In fact, in some places and sometimes it's actually superior. But there are burdens that, that come across that. And I think those who are single, be, they need to know there's a church family that's there to encourage them, not just to lecture them. And that begins by actually hearing them. When they say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with, I'm burning up with lust. <laughs> and I'm having a hard time with that. So let's go bowling or do something else, right? <laughs> Instead of getting the lecture, how about just giving them love? Give them your ear. In fact, most singles are pretty smart. They have a lot of time to think, right? Because they don't have other people always telling them what they should think of their house, right? And because of that, they know what they're supposed to do. They don't need you to tell them, but they do need somebody to come along with side of them and just hear them out. Sometimes we process by just talking, so listen. You can give truth, but listen first. And the second thing, too, is, is stop just playing matchmaker. I heard this a lot. It's not wrong if you've got a really, you know, uh, attractive cousin Vinny and, you know, it's going to be, he's a godly guy and it's just time, every single time you find a single person is you're like, hey, date this person. What you're saying to them is they're broken. That's what you're saying. It's not your job to play God. God can bring people together, right? I would say that, that uh, a lot of singles really dislike that because when they hang around their married friends, they're always like, hey, date this person or that person. It just gets fatiguing. Do you know that they're more than single? They're actually human beings that enjoy life and do great fun things. They can be friends. Single people can actually be your friends. You don't just have to fix them. And I say this is that we also want to intentionally pursue friendships with singles. I've heard this a lot that singles will say, I... That as soon as my friends get married, or as soon as I became single, that my married friends didn't know what to do with me, and so we just kind of separated, and they could feel abandoned. That there's not a space for me in the traditional church, and that's so not true. If there was a space for the Apostle Paul, there is a space for our singles, right? If there was a space for Jesus, there's a space for singles. We need to make sure that we're intentionally pursuing relationships. Invite singles over, right? A lot of them are lonely. That's one of the biggest things, a burden of being single, is feeling lonely. So invite them into your life. You don't have to adopt them like a puppy, right? But befriend them. <laughs> That's what it is. Have singles over for dinner occasionally or for breakfast or for coffee. Invite them into your life. And when you're there, you can talk about, if they want to, being single if they wanted to. Their challenges. You can talk about they're dating somebody. It's okay to talk about that. You can also talk about married life. Oftentimes when people are married, do they have a single over? They're like, we can't talk about being married because that's like pouring salt in a wound. No, I guess what? The single person knows that you're married. They're not surprised. You can talk about it. A lot of times they're, they're curious. What is this like? The married people and single people can actually hang out. And that's one of the beautiful things of the church. Is that God calls all of us together to do this beautiful thing called life together. So we don't have to be separated in just singles ministries and marriage ministries. And I would say that, therefore, open your home and your family. Singles oftentimes long for belonging, right? They can lose tradition. Uh, it, whether they graduated and moved out of a house, or if they were widowed or divorced, there's a lot of things in life, tradition, that, that anchors us that oftentimes singles lose. Think about things like, 
holidays or birthdays or things like this where there's tradition, oftentimes they have to now create their own. And if there's nobody else to create them with, that can be very hard. So invite them into your tradition. Sometimes you can adopt my, my I saw this, this most perfectly done by my in-laws. They have a, a friend, he was a Vietnam veteran, and uh, he has ended up divorced, but just been part of their family, basically. He's like an uncle. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, he's part of the family. He goes to Thomas's games. We invite him in, and he's part of the family. Biologically, no, but by love, absolutely. Open your heart and let others in. I think these are, are a big way that we can support those who are single in the church. I threw a lot at you. There's more, but I'm not going to keep lecturing. So here we go. Singleness, it, it might be a waiting season. It might be. But it doesn't have to be a wasted season. But it might not be a waiting season. Maybe it's a calling, and that should be celebrated too. What we all need to do is seek Christ first. Right? Seek what he wants, and this trust him. And then take advantage. If you're single, take advantage of the season. Maybe it's just for a season. Maybe it's just for a time. Or maybe like the Apostle Paul, maybe it's an amazing calling and you can do great things for God, but take advantage of it because it is not a curse. And I'll say this, we also need to find community in church. This is where the cure of loneliness comes from. I know being single, they, they know that they have God and Christ with them, but they also need other people. And guess where that community is? It's right here. So let's love one another. So let me ask you, how would you then take the next steps? How do you apply that? Well, if you take out your connection card, I have some, some next steps for everyone. Whether you're single or not, some things that we can do as a church to be able to pursue Christ together. The first one is maybe you want to memorize 1 Corinthians 7.32. Why? Because I think so many times that we forget that there is more than just passages about being married. And if you are single, I want you to memorize this and recognize that God is a place for you. And if you're married, I want you to memorize this to realize that, that God also calls people even who are single, and he loves them. Or maybe what you want to do is read 1 Corinthians 7. Here is where the scripture speaks most directly to this, about what is it like to be single, and what is that, how, does that, how does that work with the rest of, of the church community. Read that passage. It's enlightening, and it'll, I think it will really help you prepare your heart and how to care for one another. How about this? Maybe you want to pray for singles. If you are in the church, recognize a lot of people who are single are lonely. They're struggling with things, with purity and all kinds of other things. Pray for them. It's amazing when we pray for somebody, how our heart reaches out to them, right? Pray that God will increase their faith, that God will give them relationship, that he will help us to, as a church, that they will connect, that they will find their purpose and their meaning. Pray for them. And if you're single, pray for God's will already, but I'm just going to say it here. If you're sick, do it. Because when we start looking for God's will, we're going to start seeing more of God's will in our life. Ask him to direct you. He will. Or maybe what you want to do is you want to include a single. I originally put adopt, and then Carissa smacked me and said, we're not puppies. Include a single into your life intentionally, even this week. Call somebody up, you know a single, and say, you know what? God loves you, and you're awesome. Right? Include a single. Be intentional. How about this? Maybe you want to join a life group. If you are single, there's, there's a great way to connect with community, to get to know other people, to be included in that life. This is a great way to be able to find companionship. It's one of the things the church does. Maybe there's something else that you need to do. Listen to the Holy Spirit, another commitment you need to make. There's a prayer request. This is your opportunity to write those down too. I encourage everyone, make a commitment. Don't make your time here this morning wasted. And then in just a second, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, I encourage you, take these 
connection cards along with your, your tithe, your, un, uh, your offerings in that envelope, and, and drop those in the offering basket as they're passed. And, uh, but first, let's just dedicate this and this, uh, uh, our commitments to God. Let's do that first in prayer, and then we'll have the worship team come, and we'll close this with uh, good worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us, that we are not alone. Not only is your Holy Spirit with us, but you've drawn us into this wonderful family, the church. Lord, for those of us here this morning that are single, we pray that your kindness and compassion would be upon them. Father, I pray that you would help them as they continue this this time, that they would take advantage of it. Lord, that you assuage the, the, the loneliness that they feel, that they would help them stay strong and pure and Father, that they would make the most of this time to be focused on the eternal things. Father, as we pray as well, that you would help them grow in trust and faith, that you would, at the right time, if it will be your will, bring a companion for them. In the intermediate time, Father, I pray for this congregation. May we be a safe and a good and a, a welcoming and a supportive church family. Help us to support our widows and our widowers, for those who have been divorced, for those who have not been married. Father, may they find love here in a way that represents you well. Lord, we pray all of this in the powerful name of our Savior Jesus.